Mesech's Bikurim Perek Dalet Mishnah Basin till Perek Dalet Mishnah Hey. The focus of this Perek, which was added on to the Mishnah later on, is somebody who is an androgynous. An androgynous or an androgynous is one who has the signs and the features of both a man and a woman. And because of that, he has the stringencies of both of them. Now, just before we begin the Mishnayis, it's important to realize that there are many different versions of this Perek and what exactly the wording of the Perek is. So we're following the one which appears in the Kahati Mishnayis, as well as in many other sets of Mishnayis. And that is also the version which appears on Time for Mishnah's Mishnah texts. And so that is the one which we will follow. Ask the Mishnah, In what ways do the laws of an androgynous, in what ways are his laws the same as the laws for a regular man? So firstly, he becomes Tome if a whitish liquid, a whitish substance emerges from his body, just like a man would become Tome if that occurs to him. If a whitish liquid flows from a woman's body, she remains pure, but if it flows from a man's body, then he becomes Tome. So since an androgynous might be a man, he is Tome out of doubt. He should dress like men dress. There's a prohibition for a man to dress like a woman and for a woman to dress like a man. So how should an androgynous dress? The answer is he should dress like a man. And we'll explain the reason for that in a moment. He can marry a woman, but cannot be married to a man just like men can marry a woman, but not be married to a man. Now, bearing in mind that an androgynous is a doubt, we're not sure whether he's a man or a woman, on surface level, this part of the mission doesn't make sense, because surely he shouldn't be able to marry a woman either, in case he himself, or it itself, is a woman. So the Mepharshim explained that what we're talking about over here is not whether you're allowed to marry a man or a woman. The halach is, at least according to this perek, where we consider him to be a doubt, the halach is he is not allowed to marry a man or a woman. An androgynous cannot get married. So what does the Mishnah here mean? So it's referring to somebody who has already got married to a woman. It's forbidden, but let's say he does. So if this androgynous is a Kohen, in general the halach is that any woman who is married to a Kohen is allowed to eat truma. So what the Mishnah is telling us is that if the androgynous marries a woman, and that androgynous is a Kohen, then just like he can eat truma, so too his wife is now allowed to eat truma. However, if an androgynous were to marry a man, and that man was a Kohen, then the androgynous would not be able to now eat truma from now on just because he's married to this man. And the reason for this difference is as follows. As we know, it's forbidden for a man to have relations or get married to a man. And it is also forbidden for a woman to have relations or get married to another woman. However, the avira of a man marrying a man is far more severe than a woman marrying a woman. The Torah calls it a toyeva, an abomination, and that is a more severe prohibition. That being the case, for an androgynous to get married to a woman is less of a problem than an androgynous getting married to a man. And because of that, since the avira is less severe, and it's only out of doubt, so his wife would be allowed to eat truma. Now the truth is, this is only referring to truma midrabonon. For example, nowadays, any truma which is separated from produce and given to a Kohen, that's only an obligation midrabonon. So since the truma is anyway only midrabonon truma, midaraisa, it's considered regular food, and since the androgynous might be a man, in which case he's not even doing an Aveira by marrying this woman, so if they do get married, then the woman, the wife, is allowed to eat truma. However, if the androgynous marries a man, he cannot begin to eat truma, since even though it's only a doubt as to whether he's doing an Aveira or not, nevertheless, that Aveira is so severe that even though it's a doubt, he is still forbidden to eat truma, even if that truma is midrabonon. Now, coming back to what we said before, 
that the androgynous should dress like a man. Why is that? So again, it's a similar reason. That since he has to dress either like a man or a woman, so what should he do? He should dress like a man, since the way of men is to get married to women. So it's better that that occurs, rather than him getting dressed like a woman, which might attract men to want to marry the androgynous. And that is a worse prohibition, and therefore the androgynous should dress like a man. Alright, continues the list. The Imoi, the mother of an androgynous when she gives birth to him, we'll refer to an androgynous for now as to him. So the halacha is that when a woman gives birth to a son, so she is Tome for seven days, and then for the next 33 days, until day 40, any blood which flows from her is considered Tohar. On the other hand, when she gives birth to a daughter, everything is doubled, so she will be Tome for 14 days, two weeks instead of just one week, and then any blood which flows from her until day 80 is considered Tahar, pure. So when it comes to the days that her blood will be Tahar, we are more strict when it comes to a man, because then it's only up to day 40 that it will be Tahar, whereas when it comes to a woman, it's much more, it's up to day 80. So here we are stringent, and we say that his mother, when giving birth to an androgynous, will sit over him, meaning because of him, her blood will be considered tohar for the same amount as it would be had she given birth to a regular man, i.e. until day 40 only. Next, he may not have yichud with a woman, meaning he cannot be alone in a room with a woman, just like a man cannot be alone in a room with a woman. It's another stringency in case he is a man. He is not fed with the daughters, just like men. So what is that referring to? So if a man who has both sons and daughters dies, and he only leaves behind a little bit of money, the halach is that the sons do not inherit anything, and all of his money goes towards supporting his daughters, unless there is enough money to support the daughters, as well as the sons inheriting the extra. So clearly in that case, the daughters, the women, have priority. And so the mission is saying that the androgynous does not have that priority, and that is another stringency which applies to an androgynous in case he is a man. Another stringency, over Abal Takif, he transgresses the Avira of circling his head, and that refers to the mitzvah of having payas, so that one's head is not totally circular. The hair, that's why we have payas, but that mitzvah only applies to men. Ubal Tashchis, and the prohibition to destroy one's beard, to use a razor on one's beard, again that only applies to men, Ubal Tatamanamesim, and the prohibition for a Kohen, to become Tome from contact with a dead body, again that only applies to male Kohanim, and in the same vein it applies to an androgynous who is a Kohen, again in case he is a man, Kohanoshim, just like men, and an androgynous is obligated to keep all of the mitzvahs which are said in the Torah, even those ones which are mitzvahs, a positive mitzvah which is bound to a specific time, so women are exempt from those types of mitzvahs, nevertheless an androgynous is obligated even in those mitzvahs, just like men, because he is possibly a man. Mishnah Gimel, in what ways does an androgynous resemble a woman with regards to his laws? So firstly, he becomes Tome if a red substance flows from his body, and that refers to blood. So just like a woman becomes Tome if blood flows from her, whereas a man would not become Tome if that happened. So in this way, we are stringent on an androgynous that he is like a woman, so he would be Tome out of doubt. An androgynous cannot have yichud. He cannot be alone with a man, just like women cannot be alone by, the, by herself with another man. Now the next one on the list refers to the mitzvah of yibum, and that is that if a man marries somebody and he dies before they have children, there's a mitzvah that the brother of the dead man should do yibum. He should marry the dead man's wife, the widow. 
That is known as Yibum, and if he doesn't want to marry her, then they can go through a process called Chalitza. But this whole mitzvah only applies if the dead man's brother can have children himself. So the Mishnah says that if the dead man has no brothers, but he has an androgynous, an androgynous sibling, so an androgynous in general cannot have children, and therefore he does not create an obligation of Yibum, Kanoshim, just like had he been a woman. Of course, if the dead man only has sisters, there would, need be, there would be no obligation of Yibum, because that obligation is only on the brother of the dead man to marry the dead man's wife. Now coming back to the laws of inheritance, if the father leaves behind a lot of money, his daughters never inherit the money. They only ever get enough to support themselves. So if the father has a lot of money, that will mean that his sons get far more money than the daughters, because they, the daughters, only get enough to support themselves. So says the Mishnah, in that way we are stringent on the androgynous, he does not split the inheritance with the sons, Kanoshim, just like the women, just like the daughters. So he would only get the smaller amount in that case, just enough to support himself. He can't eat the Karbonus, which are on the level of Koche Kodshim, which are Karbonus with a high level of sanctity. And the Halach is that only male Koyanim can eat those Karbonus, and they have to eat it within the Beis HaMikdosh. So since this androgynous is possibly not a male, he cannot eat the Koche Kodshim. Now if you recall, if a woman gives birth to a son, then she's Tomei for a week, and then Tahar until day 40. If she gives birth to a daughter, then she is Tomei for two weeks, and her blood will be Tahar until day 80. So when it comes to how long she is Tomei for, it is more strict for a woman, for a daughter. She'll be Tomei for two weeks, and therefore the mission says, His mother sits over him, meaning when the mother gives birth to him, her blood will be considered Tomei, for the same amount of time that it will be Tomei for a daughter. And that is two weeks. Continues the Mishnah, He is an invalid witness, Kanoshem, just like women, are invalid witnesses. Now the halacha is that if a woman comes from a family of Kohanim, and therefore she is allowed to eat truma at least until she gets married, if she has illegal relations, for example, if one of her relatives has relations with her, that is a severe prohibition, and the consequence of that is that she loses her right to eat truma anymore. So the Nisha says, If this androgynous has illegal relations, for example, he has relations with one of his male relatives, says the Mishnah, just like if he was a woman Kohen, and if someone had truma, he becomes invalidated from eating truma anymore, Kanoshim, just like women, so if he was a Kohen, he can no longer eat truma. Mishnah Dalet, Ketat Anoshim Anoshim, in what ways are the halachas of an androgynous the same as both men and women? So firstly, Chayovan Amakosai, somebody who hits him or injures him would be obligated to pay him for the damages and for the injuries, Vakilalasai, or if somebody curses him, one is not allowed to curse another Jew, and if he does, then he is liable to the punishment of lashes, of being hit with Malchus, and that applies if you do it to any human being including an androgynous, Kanoshim, just like if you did that to any man or any woman. The Hahogoi, if somebody kills an androgynous, so Shogeg, if he did it by mistake, Goile, he goes to Golos, he is exiled to an Irmiklot, a special city, to which those who kill by mistake need to flee. Umezid, and if he killed an androgynous on purpose, then Neherog, he is killed. Just like had he killed any man or woman, Kanoshim in that sense, an androgynous is like any man or any woman. Now, although a woman's blood which flows from her after she gives birth is Tomei or Tahar for a different amount of days depending on whether it's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, but regardless of whether it's a boy or girl, once she has completed the days where she was Tahar, so either day 40 or day 80, she needs to bring a carbon. 
So says the Mishnah, that applies to an androgynous as well. And of course, out of doubt, you would have to wait until after the 80 days and then bring the korban, or the two korbanas actually, which a woman who gives birth must bring. Continues the Mishnah, He can eat the sanctified items, the sanctified food of the borders, and that refers to sanctified foods such as trimmer and challah, which can be eaten in the entire Eretz Yisrael, not just in Yerushalayim, like Maishashini or Bikurim, so things which can be eaten throughout the entire Eretz Yisrael, those can be eaten by men and women. So says the Mishnah, the same applies to an androgynous, and in this way he is considered Kranoshim v'chanoshim, like both men and women. And ends off the Mishnah again to do with inheritance, and although we've seen so far that we're always stringent on the androgynous, and he always gets the smaller amount of inheritance, either with the women or with the men, if he is the only child, then he would inherit the entire inheritance in a case where there's no one else to inherit. And in that case, he is like both men and women in that he can inherit. So the point of this mission is really to show us that androgynous is not really considered to be its own creature in itself, its own gender in itself. Rather, we're just not sure whether it is a man or a woman. We'll see at the end of the Perek, there is another opinion which argues with this. In what ways is an androgynous not the same as a man or a woman? Firstly, in Sofin Truma, one would not burn Truma, Al Tumas Zivasa, if it became Tome, from the Tuma which an androgynous got from a whitish substance which flowed from him, or if blood flowed from him. Because as we said before, it's true that an androgynous becomes Tome in these situations, but only out of doubt. So since it's only a doubtful Tuma, although in general if Truma becomes Tome it has to be burnt, if Truma is not Tome, it's forbidden to destroy Truma. So since there's a possibility that he is not Tome, so if he touches the Truma, the Truma is also not Tome and therefore it cannot be burnt. Similarly, if he becomes Tome as a result of one of these substances exiting his body, so that means he's only a Tome person out of doubt, so if he enters the base Hamikdash while he is in that state of Tumah, the Ein Chayov Mikdash, he would not be liable to the punishment of Kores, and he would not be high to bring a Korban if he enters the base Hamikdash as a result of being that level of Tumah. And this is because the Torah specifically says, Mizachar Adnekeva, from a man until a woman, which implies that this is only applicable to a definite male or a definite female. And so an androgynous would not be chayev, and in this way he is different to men and women. Now the halachas of Jewish slaves are different for men and women. For example, if a man steals something and he can't pay back, the Torah says, he will be sold as a slave because of his theft. Now the Torah says specifically because of his theft. And we learn from there that a woman who steals is not sold as a slave. Now the halacha is that when it comes to a woman, a father is able to sell his young daughter before she reaches the age of bas mitzvah, he's able to sell her as a slave. But that does not apply to a man. So since the Torah specifies different halachas about slaves for men and women, so an androgynous cannot be sold as a slave at all, at least in those two scenarios, because the Torah only allows for that in a case of a definite male or a definite female. And therefore, the Enonim Karba Ered Ivri, an androgynous cannot be sold as a Jewish slave, and in that way he is dissimilar from both men and women. The halacha is, if somebody wants to give his value of himself to the Beis HaMikdash, the Torah prescribes specific values for men and women depending on their age, but again the Torah specifies that the value of a man, of a definite man, is such. 
and for a woman it is such. But since an androgynous, we're not sure which one he is, so he doesn't really have that value. And therefore, he cannot be evaluated and that value given to the Beis HaMikdash, and in that way he is neither like a man nor like a woman. So we've seen from this Mishnah that in some ways an androgynous is unlike a man and a woman. So because of that, Vim Omar, if somebody says, let's say he sees an androgynous passing in front of him, and he says, Hareini Nozer, behold, I'm a Nozer, I'm accepting upon myself to restrict myself from the things which a Nozer cannot benefit from, or cannot do, on condition, Shazela Ishvle Isha, on condition that an androgynous is considered neither a man nor a woman. So although in this peric so far we have considered an androgynous either a man or a woman, we're just not sure. However, since there are laws in which an androgynous is not like a man nor a woman, as we just listed a few in our Mishnah, therefore this person, Nozer, he is considered a Nozer, since in some ways an androgynous is neither like a man nor a woman. Now Rabbi Yossi, as we alluded to earlier on, argues on really the entire Perek. Because Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yossi says, Androgynous, this person, this Androgynous, is actually a creature in itself. And the Chachomim were not able to decide about him in Huish Ayesha, whether he is a man or a woman. Reason being that an Androgynous is not considered a man or a woman. It's considered its own creature, its own gender. And therefore, according to Rabbi Yossi, at least according to the way we're understanding Rabbi Yossi, others do understand it differently. But the way we have explained Rabbi Yossi, is that he really argues on the entire Perek, because we would not apply the stringencies of both men and women on an androgynous, because we only do that according to the Tanakama of the whole Perek, that he might be a woman, he might be a, wo- a man. So we have to give him the stringencies of both. But according to he is neither a woman nor a man, and therefore all the stringencies would not apply to an androgynous. Now the Mishnah discusses for a moment another type of creature, a type of human, and that is a tumtum. And a tum is the exact opposite of an androgynous. An androgynous has signs and features of both a man and a woman, whereas a tum has neither the signs or the features of a man nor a woman. And this is because a tum-tum's male and female parts are actually covered by skin, and so we're just not sure whether it's a man or a woman. But it is one of them. A tum-tum is not like an androgynous, because pa'omsho-ish, sometimes a tum-tum is a man, pa'omsho-isha, and sometimes it's a woman. We're just not sure, it could be a on in life. The skin will be uncovered, but either way, it is not its own gender, its own type of human being. It's a man or a woman, we're just not sure which one. So when it comes to a tum-tum, Rabbi agrees that all of the stringencies which we have listed in the Perek would apply to a tum-tum. And with that, we conclude Masech's Bekurim, Solik Masech's Bekurim, Hadron Aloch, Seder Zeroim, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Huge Mazel Tov.